Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Amen. Turn with me. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Are you doing well today? I hope so. We did a message last week was called Behold Your King. You know, we do a, we've done a good job in the church for years teaching about good, good father. How many know he is that? We've done a good job of talking about God as our provider, God as our redeemer, and, and all the other attributes and titles we would give him. And yet, sometimes I'm concerned that we've not done a great job of revealing him for who he is as king. How many know he's king? I think it's hard for Americans to grasp kingship. We live in a democracy or a republic, okay? We vote on presidents. How many know we don't vote on the king? Right? We don't vote on the king. He is king. And, and, and the problem with that is that we often only approach him, if we only approach him as a good, good father, then we're looking to love on him and him love on us and him do what he does as a father, and yet, we forget about the fact that he's king, we're subject. He, we yield our life, we yield the right to govern our life to him. Amen? How I many know the moment I become saved is the moment I yield my life of governance to him? It's not just about me getting to heaven. Heaven is a byproduct of me yielding to the king and to his kingdom, right? And, and so I think that we sometimes have to come back and say, wait a minute. We've got to remember that he is, yes, a good, good father. And yes, he is our savior, but how many know salvation is something he worked from his position as king? Right? He's not working salvation unless he has the power to be king. Right? Because salvation came as a result of who he was as king. And, And so much of our life is spent in this realm of him being savior, redeemer, father, and none of those are wrong. They're all right. But if it doesn't involve kingship, lordship, and him as king, it will minimize the fullness of your life under him. All right? And so I want to talk a little bit about this. So last week I did a message called Behold Your King. I'm doing it again today. And um, I want to take you to the scripture I've already referenced. And um, it begins like this. Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful putting me into service. Let me stop there. Is that a crazy verse or what? You got to understand, Paul was not serving God when God saved him. He was actually persecuting the church, thinking he was serving God. And yet, but God saw, where do I get a hold of this guy, right? And so even though I was once, this is who he says, he's telling Timothy, remember who I was. I was a blasphemer and I was a persecutor, a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Let me stop there for a moment. How many know that we all in our lives can act ignorantly in unbelief? But how many know that is no excuse when we face the judgment seat? All right. Um, and, and the grace of the Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. He said, here's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I'm the foremost of all. Another version says, I was the worst of all. Yet for this reason, I found mercy that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those, those who would believe in him for eternal life. 
Now to the, now, now watch this. So, so let me back up. So, so Paul's, I just love this. Paul is writing to Timothy. He's telling him things to teach in the church. And then he just kind of reminds him who he was. Listen, man, I, I was a persecutor. I was a, I was a blasphemer. I acted in unbelief. And this is what I was. How many of you know this morning you have a was? How many of you know you were a was? How's that for English? Right? You were a was. Some of you think, I want somebody right now, I want you to do the mental inventory. What were you before you met Christ? Some of you were alcoholics. Some of you were drug addicts. Some of you were liars. Some of you were thieves. Some of you were gossips. Some of you still are gossips. You need to stop that, all right? <laughs> Some of you were lost without hope. Some of you were, were you, you can fill in the blanks. Because how many know that if you have yielded your life to him, how many know there should be a past? There should be a once was. Paul said, I once was all these things. But God, but God's mercy, God's faith, God's love, God chained to me and God saved me. And then all of a sudden, he hits this next verse. And, it's, and it doesn't fit in the whole context of everything. And all of a sudden, it's like he's, and now, to the king eternal, immortal, 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 invisible, and the only God, to him, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. This was a part of a letter Paul was writing to the church. Paul wasn't writing verses. It was a letter, and all of a sudden he burst forth in this, and now, to my king, and now, to the king eternal. This is what I want to talk about this morning, because I'm going to say something to you this morning, that, that I want you to behold your king I want you to behold him. I, don't, I want you to see your father. I want you to see your redeemer. I want you to see your savior. But you must see your king. It's so important. And so he says, to the God, to the king eternal. Listen to me. Okay, so let's start over here. First of all, how many know he's, he, he is the king eternal? He's king eternal of the past, present, and future. It's under, understand something this morning. There is no epoch of history that he is not king. Not one. There's not one moment of time, not one moment of history, not one epoch, not one season, not one age. There is not one age where he is not king. I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't care what's happening in the world today. I don't care what happened in the world 6,000 years ago. I don't care what happened 2,000 years ago. How many know he was still king? All right? This word eternal means forever, unbroken age, or per perpetuity, perpetuity. Yeah. Yeah, that word, eternity, all right? It means this, this forever, the king eternal, past, present, future. There is no age where he's not king. There's no epoch, right? He, listen to me. He was king eternal in heaven when he cast Lucifer out of heaven to the earth. I mean, no, there was a rebellion against the throne of God, the lordship and the kingship of God in heaven. And what did he do? I'm king, you're out. And he cast him to the earth. Right? And how many know this morning he was king eternal when he performed the work of creation? That he was the king, he was Lord. He spoke light into darkness. He spoke the waters into existence. He divided the water from above, from water below. He's the one that created the plants and the animals. How many know he's the one that created us? Right? He, he was the king eternal in, in the work of creation. He was king eternal throughout the epochs of human history. Take the Bible and go cover to cover. How many know you can't escape the lordship of Christ, the lordship of God, the kingship of God? I don't care what king was in reign. I don't care if it was a wicked king or a righteous king. 
I don't care who it was. How many know he rolled over the kings of the land? He rolled over Og and Bashan, the Bible tells us. The Bible says that he was the king throughout history, throughout human history. He's the eternal king. And yet, here's what's really cool about him. The eternal king had an eternal plan from all eternity. And how many know you're part of that? The eternal king had an eternal plan from all eternity. Look what scripture says. Paul later on told Timothy in the second letter to Timothy, who God saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Do you see what the scripture is saying? That he had a purpose, he had a plan. The God of eternity. You know, it wasn't an afterthought. I mean, God has always had eternity in mind for you. How many of the Bible tells us that he put eternity in our hearts? Right? He is king eternal. He had an eternal plan. And it's always been in existence. And this eternal plan has always existed. That he brought about in Christ. You see, this king eternal made eternal life possible through Jesus. Hello. Somebody's phone's ringing. Everybody check your phones now. Don't worry, if I find out whose it was, I'll make fun of you, Rusty. <laughs> Sorry, it don't matter if it's not him. Right? Listen to me for a moment. Jesus was God's plan and pathway and purpose for eternity. The King Eternal made this possible through Jesus. So that whoever would believe in who? So that whoever believes in Christ will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that what? He gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. When does eternal life begin? The moment of salvation. I, doesn't, I, I got good news for you today. It doesn't end when you die. That it begins the moment you get saved, the Bible tells me. That you step into that now, eternal life. How I many know without Jesus, you're in, in eternal death? Because how I many know death is separation from God? You see, and what happens is now, because he is eternal, the king eternal, how I many know we are sons eternal? Right, listen to me. We live with eternity in our hearts. We live in a state of eternity when we get saved. It's not just something we're going to get when we get to heaven, although how I many there's a fulfillment of things there, right? Okay, because he is king eternal, we're sons eternal. Because he's king eternal, the Bible tells me we're kings eternal. Revelation chapter five says what? You've heard me quote this scripture a gazillion times. And by his blood, he what? Purchased men for God from every tribe, tongue, language, from every nation. And he made them to be kings and priests to serve our God. Do you understand the transaction that took place at Calvary? It was more than you getting a ticket to heaven. It was about making you something you could never be on your own. It was about you becoming a king under the king. Amen? That you are to be a king eternal under the eternal king. That you are to be, the Bible says what? A priest eternal. That you have a, so you have a calling, you have a mandate that has come from the king. 
that you would serve the earth as kings and priests. Not just a spoiled, saved brats waiting to get to heaven. Ooh. Many of us live our Christian life as spoiled, selfish brats. It's all about me, and I'm hoping to get to heaven when that is not what he intended it to be about. Can I get a amen? Oh. But the problem is, when we, only, we, we, when we fail to realize and we fail to see him as God and king, then we only live as spoiled, selfish children under daddy, who he is daddy, provider, protector, all the benefits we get. But let us understand something. Lordship demands service. Kingship demands subjects. And we begin to serve. We begin to live out the expression of the kingdom on earth. All right? And so, so, first of all, Paul says, now to the king eternal. He knows that I serve a king that cannot be defined by time. That cannot be defined by an age. And he says, then he goes on, he says, and to the king immortal. He's the immortal king because he's king incorruptible. Do you understand we live in a corrupted world? Have you watched the news lately? Hmm? How many know it is just a corrupt world? God creates human beings, put them in a perfect environment, puts them in the garden. There was no corruption. He didn't create corruption. And yet he puts man there. And now Satan comes in the form of the serpent. And he, how many know where the corruption lied? The Bible says it lies in the heart of man. The Bible says every inclination of our heart from childhood is wicked, evil. How many know that we're not born good? We're not born naturally good, right? There's, anybody have anything that ever lurks in their heart? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're saved, I know. All the temptations all left you. All the things that come out of your heart left you, right? But here's what's understanding. We serve a king who cannot be corrupted by this world. We serve a king that is incorruptible, how do I know that? Because first of all, I believe what the Bible says, but first of all, let's take a look at this. How many know when King Jesus came to earth and King Jesus goes through the wilderness and now here comes the enemy trying to corrupt this perfect king. He tries to corrupt him through the temptations in the wilderness. How many know he came out of there incorruptible? You can't corrupt him, right? We, li we live in a world corrupted, but not under a king who's corrupted. How many know you can have a corrupted world, but not a corrupted king? See, the Bible tells me that this king immortal, that the king immortal is the possessor of immortality. I cannot give you what I am not. I cannot give you what I don't have. Right? Who has a $100 bill on him? Give it to me. I want to give it to somebody else. <laughs> right? Like, like, the reality is, I can give you what's in my pocket. But how many know I can't give you what's not in my pocket, what I don't possess? You see, the Bible tells me that God is the possessor of immortality, the king immortal. And what does the king immortal do? The king immortal says, I'm going to give you what I possess. It is so cool how God does this. Watch this. Look at this verse. It tells us that he will bring about at the proper time he who is blessed and on sovereign and that um, he alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see. Do you understand what it says? 
that he alone possesses immortality. There is no other way to immortality, folks. How many know man has been, man has been chasing immortality for years? For years, we've been chasing immortality. Come on. You know, you know the reason why some of you do a physical every year? Because you want to live longer. Right? Everybody see the, how many, the, the great theological tr- motion picture, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> okay, it was a joke. But what were they in a quest of? They were in a quest for what? The Holy Grail. Because if they could find the Holy Grail and drink from it, then they drink from that cup, right? And if they could drink from that last cup of Christ, that's what they were looking for. If they could drink from it. They had to believe that they could live forever. And people lied and cheated and killed and murdered. Ponce de Leon, what was he looking for? The fountain of life. That if he could drink from it, he could live forever. Come on, how many know none of us in here really want to die? Anybody want to die today? (laughs) Most of us, if given the choice, might choose to live forever. But there's only one. There's only one person. There's only one who possesses immortality. There's only one way to immortality. There is only one path to immortality, and that is through Christ Jesus. All right? The king immortal chose to share his immortality with mortal men. Okay? So now, what's the, you got to love God. God says, I'm king immortal. I have immortality. I'm the possessor of it, and I can keep it to myself. Or I can share it. I can keep it to myself, or I can share it with the mortal man that I have created. Because, first of all, he didn't create him that way. How many know sin made us that way? Right? The, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. Through the gospel. So now, in Christ, our King Immortal brings to us immortality, and he brings it to light. How? Through the gospel, which was the gospel what? The good news of the kingdom of God. Because it's in the good news of the kingdom of God is where you find your immortality in Christ. Because why? Because when you step into the kingdom of God, how many know you are stopping, stepping into an immortal kingdom? How many know all the kingdoms of the world are mortal? All the great kings, think of all the great kingdoms of the past that have failed. The Roman Empire, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and on and on you go. How many know all that were mortal? But there's one kingdom that is immortal, and he wants to share it with me. And he wants to share it with you and I. He's king immortal. The immortal king reigns over me. Watch this. And now as I step into the king, the king, the immortal king reigns over me. Therefore, sin no longer reigns in my mortal body. Isn't that what Paul said? Paul said this. He said, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. How many know it wants to? Right? See, here's the hope. Paul's talking about this immortal king. This immortal king conquered death and the grave. 
The, the word immortal means uh, to rise from the dead, uncorrupted, not liable to corruption. Do you remember? They put Jesus in the grave. His body did not suffer decay. His body did not suffer corruption. His body was raised to life. How many know he was immortal? And this immortal king conquered death and conquered the grave. If you get nothing else out of this today, you understand one thing. You don't fear death today. You don't fear the grave today because of our king who conquered it. All right? The, the, because the king immortal conquered death in the grave, mortal men don't fear death. We don't, again, I'm not looking to die today. But I mean, no, we don't have to be afraid of it. What did Paul say? Paul said to the Corinthians, for this perishable, how many know this body is perishable? If you don't think so, some of you men need to look in the mirror at your hairline. Because I look at it and go, oh man, let me comb a few this way and that way and I'll cover that up. I like the fact that we don't have a balcony anymore. I didn't like that. I didn't, I didn't like that view we get from the, from the balcony. They take pictures from the balcony. I like the fact we don't have no balcony. I, I don't get it. You know, they, 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 Paul says, we're wasting away. I weigh more than I did when I was in high school. I'm not wasting away. <laughs> Most of us aren't wasting away. I'd like to try a little bit of wasting away in the next few months. Not going to happen this week. You know, your hair falls out, your ears get bigger. Like, wait, wait, Paul, what are you, crazy, Paul? Your nose seems bigger, got hair coming out of it now. Some of you got hair coming out of your ears, it's falling off your head, it's coming out of your ears. <laughs> can I, can I, <laughs> just, right? You, you, you used to have pecs, now you got a gut. You used to maybe I'll wave somebody and your arm didn't jiggle. <laughs> Anybody relating this morning? Some of you young people, don't worry, you'll be there and you can say amen someday. <laughs> and what do we do? We keep trying to be immortal. We keep trying to fight it. We keep trying, and I'm saying be healthy, yeah, yeah. You can be a food Nazi like Lindsay and all that stupid weird stuff. Okay, you're still gonna die, all right? Right? But, but the reality is, we don't want to, and we are, this, thing's, this thing is perishable. It just is. And, and yet, the Bible says that one day, this perishable is going to put on the imperishable. Right? When this, but, but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed, how I many of death has been swallowed up in victory? And yet there's a day coming for you and I that someday we will live out the fulfillment of that scripture. He's the king immortal. But then Paul says he's king invisible. Hmm. I thought about that. We don't like that, do we? How many would rather see him? Nobody? Wow. Y'all juggernauts of faith. I'm just saying, sometimes it'll do me some good to lay my eyes on him. But I can't. But there is something about that. The fact that he is invisible leads me to a king that is beyond my realm. He's not a king that's confined and defined by my realm. I kind of like that. 
even though I don't understand it all. Amen? I can't wrap my mind around all of it. And yet he's invisible, and yet there's something about that invisibility that actually strengthens my faith and strengthens my faith in who he is because he's beyond this realm. The fact that he's invisible leads me to a king who's beyond my understanding. That's amazing. A lot of people want to serve a God that they can understand, that they can figure out that one plus one equals two, two plus two equals four. Doesn't work that way. The fact that he's invisible leads me to a king that's beyond my dimension. He's king over all dimensions. But here's what I know. The scripture shows me. This invisible king can be seen, however, by what is visible. What did Paul say? Paul said this in Romans. He said, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen. How many know you can see God in our creation? Being understood through what has been made so they were without excuse. The Bible says that I don't have an excuse to say I've never seen the invisible God because I have seen the work of the invisible God. Just because you can't see him does not leave you with an excuse. Because what you can see is his attributes in the world around us. He's an invisible God. But, 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 but also, I can see this invisible king, this invisible king. And how do I see him? Jesus. I pick up the Gospels. You see, Colossians 1 tells me what? He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. I've told you this a hundred times. You want to see what God looks like? You want to see how he talks? You want to see how he thinks? You read the Gospels and you read about Jesus. Get outside of your description of him and read the description that is in Jesus Christ. Paul says he's the king eternal. He's the king immortal. He's the king invisible. And yet he also says he's the only God. He's the only God because there are no other gods. I mean, no, there is no other God, right? There, there, there just isn't. While there may be other gods, there is only one God. Lots of people worship a lot of gods, and there's lots of gods. Israel came out of Egypt where there were hundreds and hundreds of gods being worshiped. And he brought them out. And he, how many know that the 10 plagues that came upon Egypt were this God mocking the gods of Egypt? The Nile God, I'm gonna turn it to blood. The beetle God, the sun God, I'm gonna make darkness. I'm God. You might worship those gods, but I'm God. You will know that I am God. And he led them out of the land of all those gods. And he gets them and he looks at them in chapter, and he looks and he says, now, I am the Lord God only. You shall worship me and me only. I'm the only God. Hmm. The only God is the King of Kings. But here's the question. Is he the only God of your life? That's the question. Or do you have some other gods? Is he the only God of your life? 
Is he the only king of your life? See, let's be honest. Sometimes we live like Egypt did with this mixture. Hmm? They had a command to worship the Lord and only the Lord. To only have one God before them, right? And yet at times they found themselves, well, I, I, know, I, I, know, I know he's the only God, yet I need a little help to get my crops to grow, so I'm going to worship Baal and Asterisk over here. Well, I know that you are God, Lord, and I know that you are my, I know you're the only God, but I'm going to worship the God of Mammon, which is money. Uh-oh. How many know when we will not subject our money to the Lordship of Christ, we're worshiping Mammon? When we will not submit and subject our money to what the scripture says under the lordship and kingship of Jesus Christ, you, ladies and gentlemen, like me or not, I'll be an irritant today, you are worshiping mammon alongside your God. I didn't say it, Jesus said it. He said you can't serve both. He said you can't serve both. Is he the only God of your life? All right, now watch this. So I want to show you something. So, so Paul is living, and he's writing this, and he's reflecting on his life. And as he reflects on his life, he tells Timothy all about what he once was. And he comes to this place in his remembering and all of a sudden, it brought him to a now moment. A now moment. Timothy, this is what I was. This is what I was doing. I was lost. I was without God. I was Persian. Timothy, I was there when they killed Stephen. I held the coat. They laid the coats at my feet while they stoned the servant of the Lord. I, I was there when they put Christians in jail. Timothy, I was on another trip to Damascus to do more of the same when all of a sudden he appeared to me and, 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 he, and he should have killed me and he had the right to kill me. Can I say to you this morning he has the right to kill you? Can I say to you this morning he had the right to kill you, not save you? And out of his mercy and his grace and his love, Saul, Saul, come on, man. Come on. Come on. And Paul's reflecting on this. And I think something just, just rose up in his spirit as he's writing this. It's like sometimes when we're up here worshiping, all of a sudden something jumps up in my spirit. I, I, I just become an irritant, I know. And Paul's like, yeah. And all of a sudden in the middle of this letter, he says, oh, and now Timothy. And now, now in this moment, Paul lived in a now moment to bring glory and honor to the king eternal. Let me tell you about this eternal king who put eternity in my heart. And let me tell you about this eternal king that gave me eternal life instead of not eternal death. That he should have killed me, but he didn't. And he lived in this now moment where he wanted to bring glory and honor to the king immortal. And now to my king be glory and honor. Now he lived in a now moment 
to bring glory and honor to the king invisible. Come on. You're not called to just bring glory and honor in heaven. How many know it's a now moment? You and I, you and I are sons eternal this morning. We're sons eternal because we have a king eternal. You are subjects to an eternal kingdom, not an earthly kingdom. Donald Trump is not my God, nor was any other Democrat or Republican. I'm going to tell you something. We got to get a grip on our Christianity. We put more hope in a man than we do our God. And we're, more, we're, we're quicker to defend our guy than we are our God. I can, get, <laughs> I can get in a bigger fight quicker saying something about Donald Trump on Facebook than I can about God. And I can bring out the most ungodly responses in supposed godly people if I put my finger on Trump. And I'm not standing here saying I dislike Trump. There are some things the knucklehead should stop doing though. And they're not godly and they're not Christian and they're not Christ-like and we gotta stop defending that garbage. Okay? I still, think he's, I still think he was put in place by God because God is the one who puts one up and raises one up. But why are you selling your Christianity and your kingdom values because you wanna defend a political party? How did I get down this road? <laughs> Pump the brakes, Jim, hit the brakes. You're a better Trumpite than you are a Christian. You've not, been to be a, you've not been called to be a Trumpite. You've been called to be a kingdom of God person. And it goes for any other side of the aisle you want to be on. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, listen to me this morning. We are sons of the eternal king. We are sons eternal. We are sons, you and I are sons immortal. Why? So we can reveal the king immortal. There's a hope that lives in you and I that doesn't live in other people. But the hope that I have that lives in me of immortality is because of my king. My king. Some of you are still giving me dirty looks over the Trump stuff. <laughs> You'll be all right. Someday the Trump is going to ring sound and we won't worry about Trump. You and I are sons visible to reveal the king invisible. Lordship, kingship. You and I are to reveal the one who is eternal. We are to reveal the one who is immortal. We are to reveal the one who is invisible. Love this story that Paul writes. Love it. This is your now moment that you would say like Paul, now, now, to my king eternal, now, to my king immortal, now, to my king who is invisible. But I got enough to know because I walk by faith and not by sight. And now to the only God, be the glory and the honor forever and ever and ever and ever.
give you hope. Come on, Troy. You see, I'm on a quest. And that quest is to get us to start living under the kingdom. A quest is to get us to start living under the king. It's important. Because while we live in this world, our citizenship is of of another world. And while we live in this world, our value system is shaped by a kingdom not of this world. And while we live in this world, our words should be shaped by a a world not of this world. Our attitudes, our actions. Because our king has done something for us. Our king has invited us into his kingdom. When he says, repent, change the way that you think and change the way that you live. This isn't just about you saying a sinner's prayer and getting to heaven. This is about you yielding your right right of self-government, yielding it to say, I will be governed by him. Which how many know when you say, yes, Lord, I will be governed by you. I will tell you this. Then all the resources and all the things of the kingdom are now at your disposal. Right? Because you're in the kingdom. And you are sons eternal. You are sons immortal. I could go on and on with that. You are priests. You are kings. And yet, this is your now moment to bring him glory and honor. And this is your now moment to reveal him to the world that you live in while you are a citizenship of another kingdom. I love the fact that he's my father. Love it. And I love the fact that he's my savior. I love it. (laughs) I love the fact that he's my redeemer. Thank you. But I'm telling you, he's all those things because he's my God and he's my king. My king came to battle to destroy that which stood against me. Two domains of darkness. I said, two, two domains have been clashing since heaven. The domain of darkness, the domain of the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that I was in darkness. The domain of darkness is controlled by Satan. And yet Christ Jesus came to earth and those sitting in darkness saw a great light. The Bible says he rescued me from the domain of darkness and he transferred me into the kingdom of light. I'm in a different kingdom, baby. I'm under a different domain. I got a different ruler. I got a different king. I got a different sovereign. But never did he call me into his kingdom to not be subject to the kingdom, to not take on the value system of the kingdom, to not take on the character of the kingdom. You will take on the character of the leadership you yield to. That is why so many times on the different sides of the political aisles we have ugly people. But when you take on the character and the value system of the eternal king, the immortal king, and the invisible king, you will never be ugly. Matter of fact, you will be the aroma of God. You'll be the aroma of Christ. I don't want to know today if he's your savior. Well, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? I want to know if he's your king. Because if he's your king, he's your savior. 
I don't want to know today if he's your redeemer. I want to know if he's your king. Because if he's your king, he's your redeemer. Jesus didn't say repent because your redeemer is here. He didn't say repent. He said repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He didn't say repent because your salvation is here, although it is because it's found in the kingdom. He said repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Salvation is stepping out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of light and under the king through Jesus Christ. Behold your king. Behold your king. Why is it important that you behold him? So that you can reveal him. So that you can reveal him. Paul said, he understood it. He said, we're Christ ambassadors. We're Christ ambassadors. Go back and sing that old song that you guys used to sing. Because I never sang because I never knew it. I know you know it. No, you don't? I must be Karen's age bracket. Is he your king? Is he your, and, and say, how do I know if he's my king? Have you yielded your right to self-government to him? Have you yielded your right to self-governance to him? Have you yielded your way of thinking to his way of thinking? Have you yielded? That's how you'll know. Many people, and I'm, I'm, I'm done, many people say a sinner's prayer but never yield to the governance of God. I promise you it's not that short and narrow-sighted. So, Father, this morning, we say now to the King immortal, to the King eternal, to the King invisible, glory and honor is yours. You see, like Paul, we say this morning, this is what we once were. We were once sinners. We were once gone to hell. We were once unbelievers. We were once persecutors and sinners and without you. But man, your mercy and your grace came to us. And out of that flowed salvation and redemption under the banner of your kingdom. And so God, I would, I would pray that out of what we once were, knowing who we once now are, knowing what we once will be, we would now say glory and honor to our king. Glory and honor to our king. And we would live to reveal you, live to bring you glory and honor, live so others would give you glory and honor. You are our king. You are our God. We are your subjects. We are your servants. We are your kings. We are your priests. Thank you for rescuing us from that domain of darkness we lived in. And today we proclaim it with a loud voice. We proclaim it with a passionate heart. You are king. You are king. Come on, church, stand with me. 
Proclaim it this morning. Proclaim it from your heart this morning. Proclaim it with your mouth this morning. Proclaim it with a shout this morning that you are our king. You are my king. You are my king. Yield to his governance. 